Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, July 28th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh-In Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome, everyone, to Weigh In Sports Talk. We are very, very close to football season. I think we have the Hall of Fame game on next week, and college football is five weeks away, less than five weeks away, might I add. So we're all excited here on Weigh In Sports to have you. We will be full football from here on out, but we will talk about the other major sports that come. And tonight's agenda, actually, we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to get to rocking and rolling. We're first going to start out breaking out the breaking down the NFC South, a very, very competitive division here. And it's going to be tough to pick a winner, but we will tonight. We're going to switch over to college football and talk about Ohio State and the Arkansas Razorbacks. So, so we're excited about it, and I'm going to bring on Trey, but I have to give him a good introduction tonight. Since his college football is coming up, I figured I'd give him a good introduction here. Just want to get you fired up. There we go. You like that, don't you? That's rocking right there. My jams. I know. I know Paul Ewing. I think he's called in. I don't think he'll like that too much. Being a Gator fan, Trey. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I thought I'd break that out for you, the Florida State Seminoles tonight, and also. You know, the Atlanta Braves are on a hot streak, you know, playing the St. Louis Cardinals tonight in Atlanta. I figured I'd give them a shout-out. So they're trying to sweep the Cardinals, Trey. And and with the loss of Tim Hudson, you know the trading deadline's coming. What are the Braves going to do? Let's go ahead and start it out. Yeah, I mean, I think the Braves are going to have to pick up. um, They really do need another arm uh, with Tim Hudson going down, even though they got some guys coming off the DL. If it's not a starting guy, they're going to need a reliever and maybe another bat. But they don't, minor moves, Tarvin. I think the Braves need minor moves. What about Jake Peavy from the White Sox trade? I know he's in the trade talks with St. Louis, Boston. Some bigger teams are wanting him. What are the Braves' chance of landing him, and, and, and should they try to get Jake Peavy? Well, I mean, I think with the price tag that might come with him, you don't want to mortgage your future uh, for Jake Peavy, I mean, they got a good rotation as it is. I mean, losing Tim Hudson is a big deal. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of solid arms, uh, some guys coming back from the DL. Uh, and, and really, you know, you don't want to have to trade one of these guys that they believe maybe their future. Now, if one of these young guys, they've sort of pinpointed as not part of their future rebuilding, I mean, yeah, maybe you do want to trade one of those young guys away for uh, Jake Peavy. But you just got to be very careful. Well, the Braves, they've always prided themselves, Trey, in their farm system and being able to, you know, put someone in from their farm system when times get tough. And I think I would go that route. I wouldn't mess up any chemistry on my team right now and go outside and really get anyone. I I really don't see the need. I think the Braves starting pitching is okay. The bullpen's great. And the thing is, Trey, they just need to hit the ball. That's what they need to find. They need the Upton brothers hitting the ball. Ugly to hit, Hayward. I mean, if they can get going hitting, this could be a very tough team to beat in playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Chris Johnson at third base has been a really pleasant surprise. I mean, 
if you really think about this guy who's hitting um, seventh for the Braves tonight, and mostly that's about his normal thing, he's hitting about 330, 334 for the season. So, I mean, the, the, the shot and arm they're getting from him has been fantastic. They really do need uh, B.J. Upton to come back from the D.L. and actually contribute in some kind of way. But right now, you got to think, I mean, their outfield is Justin Upton, Jason Hayward, and, uh, you know, Evan Gaddis, who's hitting in the four-hole for the Braves. Uh, But he's cooled off quite tremendously since his hot start. He's still got 15 bombs for the year. But they really do need the defense and speed that B.J. Upton uh, provides. But they, they need him to have a... Uh, you know, about a 250, 260 average rather than the 205, 180, 190 average he has yeah. now. Yeah, and Trey, I, we're going to take a call early. We have a caller in queue, and I don't want to leave anybody on hold. I'm going to give the call in number 646 716 5564. You're from the 312 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? This is Brian Snow speaking, a.k.a. the Snowman. How are you? I'm good, Brian. How's it going? Thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me on. You mentioned two very good points uh, about the Atlanta Braves. Their pitching is fine, even minus Hudson. The hitting, however, has been lacking, and it started even before the All-Star break. And you have to get the feeling that Atlanta may be hearing – they have a significant lead right now, but you got to have the feeling that Atlanta's going to hear some footsteps toward the end of the season, and those footsteps are going to come from Washington. They're due for another run within the division. Yeah, Washington had a big game today, it looked like, and Bryce Harper's hitting the ball well. But but tell me about the pitching of the Nationals. Do you, do you think it's good enough to catch the Braves? I think it is. You know, it, it's a situation where Washington has been off injured this year, coming off of a division championship. You know, there's a little bit of a hangover whenever you win in whenever you win in division and you go as far as Washington did and not many people expected them to. So yeah, there's a little bit of a hangover. But the pitching is there. It's just going to be the middle part to the end part of the bullpen that's the only question mark. But if their hitting begins to catch fire like it is right like it is right now, they put fourteen on the board today. But Washington's hitting and it showed last year it can catch fire in any moment and carry them all the way through the division. So if Atlanta's going to hear some footsteps, they're going to hear it from Washington. And if they're not careful, they're going to come very soon. All right, but I appreciate the call and weighing in on that topic, Trey. As soon as we were talking, Hayward just hit a bomb to go up two to nothing on the Cardinals in Atlanta. Tell me, can the Nationals catch them? Well, can they? Yeah, I think he brings up a good point, which is, you know, the Washington Nationals do have, you know, a potential Rays-type hot streak in them. I mean, you know, the Rays have done it. You're looking at their record over the last 30 games, and you have to be uh, really astounded. And then, you know, what, what can the, the Nationals do? Well, with their pitching and that, those bats that have been really inconsistent this year, the Washington Nationals can ring, you know, they could they could run, you know, 10 to 15, 15 to 20, something like that. And then, so the Braves really need to make sure they have that killer instinct this year and, you know, in the last two couple of years, Sarvin, the Braves have lacked a killer instinct going down the stretch and have blown big leads of their, you know, I mean, this is not the Braves of the 90s, Tarvin, who is not, who is, you know, who's held on to big leads. I mean, this is the Braves, uh, you know, of the 2000s who blow big leads down the stretch. I and mean, we all remember that collapse that led to the, 
you know, the pop-up in the outfield and the infield fly rule and that whole game. Uh, but that, that game was played because the Braves collapsed down the stretch. Exactly. They collapsed down the stretch. But looking at this schedule, Trey, for the Braves coming up for the rest of the season, I think they have an easy way. And, I mean, maybe not so easy. I just, I just don't think they'll give up an eight-game lead in this division to Washington. And when I see Washington, I see a lot of inconsistencies. Now, that pitching staff can get going, but they're hitting. But I just don't – that's a lot of ground to make up. We don't have, what, two months left of the season, less than two months probably? Yeah, yeah. That's a lot That's a lot to make up. I mean, can it be done? Yes, if Atlanta falls apart. But really making a statement after Tim Hudson goes out, sweeping the Cardinals. The Cardinals are first place. One of the best, probably is the best team in baseball actually right now. They're top of the central right now, 62 and 39. I think that's very impressive. I think this is a statement series for the Braves. Well, and just remember that for the Braves, it hasn't been this time of the year that they've struggled in the last couple of years. It's been September. I mean, they blew what a nine-game lead in September. So I mean, you know, <laughs> it's going to come down to what they do in the last month of the season. Can they stay hot? Can they stay healthy? And some of these young guys, I mean, the problem with young arms and the problem with young bats, Harvin, is when the season gets past that, that sort of minor league season where the minor league is, is ending and those guys are used to playing the minor league schedule, uh, can they keep going? Because, I mean, it takes a few years in the big leagues to sort of get, catch your, your sort of big league legs up under you when you have to play the entirety of a MLB season. So that's been the Braves, you know, sort of problem the last couple of years is fending off those September runs. So we'll see this year, Carvin. Well, let's talk about another team. That, since we got some Dodgers fans in the chat room right now with Roger and Jason Humphrey here. The Dodgers uh, Puig trade with a walk-off home run today. I think it's amazing those guys are two and a half games up in first right now after the way they started out. All of a sudden Puig comes on the team and they catch fire. Mattingly was on the hot seat about to get canned. Now he could be coach of the manager of the year. Trey, I don't see anyone in this division catching the Dodgers right now. I just don't see Arizona doing it. I think the Dodgers, as long as they keep playing consistent, I mean, they've won 9 out of 10, just a great run they're having. Do you see anybody catching them? Well, I mean, you know, like I predicted earlier in the year, I kind of thought this team might come through. I don't No one saw Puig, at least I certainly didn't see him coming up and having an impact. But, I mean, they have the starting pitching, they have the bullpen, uh, now that Brighton League is sort of out of the closer's role, you know, it's sort of solidified that back end a little bit better. Uh, the real question for them is is the hitting. I mean, when they were earlier in the year when they had Hanley Ramirez in the DL and Adrian Gonzalez was so inconsistent, you know, they still don't have a healthy, you know, really, really good Carl Crawford. So, I mean, if they can get all these guys hitting on the same cylinders, I mean, they can't be caught. But at the same point, Tarvin, and they're just an injury away from going into a cold streak because it seems like, this team has been so up and down that if, say, Puig goes down with a hamstring for 15 days, you know, is he? Is, are they really that dependent on his energy? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think they are, but I think I think they're starting to gel as a team because of him. And if he missed 15 days on the DL, they would be able to to ride the ship and actually stay close to on top at least with a game or two out and to make a run. I, I think Puig is really ignited this team. I mean, it makes these veteran guys have to play better because this rookie's coming out of nowhere showing you up. It just brings energy to the entire staff. And Roger is actually a Yankees fan, Trey. And these guys are seven and a half out of first right now in the East. Boston is actually a half game up on Tampa. But 
Let's welcome back Derek Jeter to to baseball. First pitch, first swing he had, home run into right field. Trey, how good was it to see that from Jeter? Well, I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, it's great. I mean, those um, those at bats he had today were actually very beneficial for his team. Um, they tried to uh, in the late in the game pitch around Jeter and get him to sort of uh, pop up a bunt, but um, you know didn't work out. And Jeter ended up with a with a walk, and then you know you get Soriano with a walk off. So. Uh, Jeter and a major impact in the lineup game one. Yeah. Uh, Jason Humphrey said in the chat room, the Dodgers, by the way, could have the Cy Young uh, manager and MVP and rookie of the year on the team, Trey. <laughs> no, that's, that's a not lot happening. Of awards. <laughs> that's a lot of awards for one team. I will give him Cy Young. I will give him Kershaw. I will give him rookie of the year and Puig. There's no way I could put Mattingly up at manager of the year. And I don't see an MVP on that team unless it was Clayton Kershaw. Well, I mean, let's just talk about Puig winning both, but I mean, he's not, he's not that good. I mean, he's dropped 100 points in his batting average, and, you know, since Puig mania started, he's still hitting over 300. But, <laughs> I mean, they were talking about this guy. He's, he's going to hit over 400. He's going to, you know, he's going to do it. Well, he's not, you know, come on. Baseball's a long, long season, and these guys have a tendency to cool off. You've seen that from him. I mean, great home run today, but he's cooled off quite significantly. Uh, you, do you think A-Rod's going to come back, trade half the Yankees out? <laughs> I think A-Rod will – you know, it's going to be tough to get him off the field. I heard the Biogenes or stuff maybe coming this week, but I've heard that about every week over the last five weeks. So uh, I'll believe the Biogenes stuff, the suspensions when I see him. Uh, but I think that the Yankees would like A-Rod to never touch the field again. I mean, I heard he's negotiating with baseball right now. I mean, you, you don't negotiate with terrorists, do you? <laughs> Who's the terrorist? Ray Rod, man, I mean, he, he's never going to clean up. He's never going to get straight. And even if he does, he's he's 40 years old almost. It's not like he's just going to start playing well. And, and you know, if he does, he'll start playing like David Ortiz. And, and I don't know if you got to see that last night. You know, I've always thought David Ortiz could possibly be using performance-enhancing drugs. And then when he went off on a, a phone in the dugout with a baseball bat and then came out towards the umpire, I, I saw a little bit of that roid rage in David Ortiz. Well, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, David Ortiz was a guy who was very mediocre before he came to Boston. If you remember his Minnesota Twin days, he wasn't exactly the sort of David, you know, versus Goliath hitter he's been. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) I mean, look, guys, I mean, there's rage. Just you're angry, you get mad, and then there's that rage where a normal human being, Trey, that's upset, could get a baseball bat and hit a phone a hundred times like he did and be okay. Okay, that's a normal person. Well, then after you get through doing that, then you charge someone. They have to restrain you. There's a problem there. I mean, that's not normal. And David Ortiz is not known for for being an angry person or a violent person, but what would have happened to that poor umpire last night if those guys hadn't held him back? Well, who knows, man. I don't think that that would have ever happened. But, you know, it's the first time I've seen a baseball player fired up. Oh, man, that's, there's a difference between roid rage and just ticked off. But the umpire, I don't know if you saw the at-bat, it was 3-0 and on Ortiz, and it looked like he was taking his base before the pitch was even came across the plate. Do you think the umpire yeah. called a strike because he was showing him up a little bit? Oh, I think absolutely. It was clearly a ball, but, I mean, I don't know an umpire in Major League Baseball, if you step out of the box, uh, who isn't <laughs> going to just go ahead and call that strike. So. You know, I don't know what Ortiz was thinking there. I mean, he could have just stayed in the box and taken his walk, but 
you know, again, you just have a unfortunate series of events for David Ortiz. Well, I'm going to say it again about performance and anti drugs, and I'll, we'll probably talk about it one day again. But in order to stiffen, in order to deter these people from cheating and doing this, you got to stiffen the punishments. And hopefully, Major League Baseball will wake up one day and realize that these 60 game suspensions are nothing. It's a vacation for these guys. Hit them in the pocketbook. Suspend them a long time, and you'll start getting rid of this. But Trey, we're going to go to a caller real quick before we move on to football. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hey, Brian, it's me, Jason. What's up, me, Jason? What's up? Hey, um, I posted a comment that the Dodgers could win the Cy Young. I mean, the Kusar Manager of the Year, Don Manatee. Um. His job was on the line in May or April, and he's in the first place. My MVP is not Puig, it's Hanley Ramirez. Hanley what? Ramirez is batting 400. <laughs> Hanley Ramirez, I'm a totem here. Look at the numbers. And Puig, rookie of the year. I know I'm crazy. I'm a little cookie that he's making me cuckoo. But that's <laughs> what I got. So, All right, Jason. Rape. I appreciate the call, Trey. Tell us. I want you to. I want you to come against Jason on that. Henley Ramirez, MVP. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, he's hitting 400 because he's played in 10 games this year. I mean, the guy. I mean, it, come on, Jason. Be realistic. I know. I know you. <laughs> you cut you open. You bleed Dodger blue. But man, I, I think you understand the craziness of what you just said. There's no way Henley Ramirez is going to win the MVP. Uh, there's no way he's going to hit 400 the rest of the season. I mean, he's, he's been back, what, less than a month? I mean, so uh, look at a guy's entire <laughs> picture of work, and we'll see. Come on, Jason. Now, that is a, that's a homer pick right there, Dre. I mean, yeah. you know, that, hey, I have a buddy that actually bet, placed a, uh, two large wagers um, a month and a half, two months ago, on the Dodgers to win the National League. And for the Dodgers to win the World Series with great odds at the time, this guy could be loaded if this comes true. But Jason, all of, all of these awards, man, it's not going to happen. I, I think I think Kershaw is your Cy Young, possibly, and, and Tweed's your Rookie of the Year. I'll give you those two. But as far as the other ten you named, I just can't do it tonight. Well, we're going to go to a break real quick, Trey, and when we come back. We're going to start talking football. We're going to talk the NFC South, and this is going to be a tough division to break down. We'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt, or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt? Well, Actionware Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea, and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. And we are back, and we've been talking a little baseball action, having some fun with that. Trey, it is football time. Are you excited, buddy? Well, I mean, it's, it's getting there, Tarvin. I'm excited for football to start for sure. It is here almost, man. It's 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 getting crazy. I mean, I'm having dreams about it now. I don't know what to do. So we'll be there before <laughs> long. I think the Hall of Fame game starts next Sunday, right? Yeah, you could be right. I'm not sure on that one. Well, I mean, that's when it all starts. So how much do you pay attention to preseason when you're – when you're looking to predictions and things like that, do you put a lot of stock into a team's preseason? 
The only thing about preseason that I look into are, are the injury reports. I mean, the only thing I, I care about when it comes down to my team or my players, um, you know, my fantasy football team, it, it's not their preseason stats. It's not their you know, number of reps that a quarterback gets. It's 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 avoiding the injury, and that's what every single uh, superstar in the NFL just wants to do. It's why they hate preseason. Well, you know, why we have four preseason games, I'm not sure. But it's just you have to get rid of those games and, and get them through. I mean, that's why you see so many guys not playing in week four because nobody wants to get injured before the real game starts. So uh, I don't keep up with the stats in preseason, Tarvin, because of that. Well, the good thing about preseason is you can see some of these younger players that were drafted, how they're going to fit into a team, how they're going to play. But I don't think those guys get paid for preseason games. So maybe that's another reason they don't play as much. But the NFC South, Trey, looking at all of football, where do you rank it as the toughest division? Uh, well, I, toughest division, I mean, I, I don't think it's the toughest division. I mean, I think it's a solid division. I mean, you look at last year you had – the Falcons, who really sort of ran the gamut on the, the NFC South uh, at 13-3, and three, but the other three teams were 7-9, and nine, so it's a competitive this division. Um, I mean, it's hard to say it's competitive when the, the Falcons were 7-1 and one in it, but I think it's competitive in the sense that the other teams aren't really seller dwellers. I mean, it, you didn't have a 4-12, and 12, you know, 5-11 team. You had teams who were really one game away from 500, one possession, maybe one even turnover, uh, a lot of the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I, I think, you know, this team, is this is going to be an improved division. Uh, I think there's a likelihood that you could even have a second playoff team out of this division. Yeah, I'm going to call it now. There will be two playoff teams coming from this division. And it is comp- – I honestly could say right now, I could see any of the four teams in this division winning it. That's how competitive it is. I saw a lot of improvements in the offseason – you look at Tampa Bay, Trey, what they brought on defense. They got Revis there, Golson. I mean, if you're Tampa Bay looking at this division, I mean, you're you're playing against some top-notch quarterbacks. I mean, probably top ten quarterbacks in the league, all of them. So I think defense was where Tampa Bay had to get better, and they did. Well, yeah, Tampa Bay improved. I mean, Darrell Revis, starting with Tampa Bay, obviously should help make a difference. And I'm not sure that he's – I mean – I don't think he's facing top ten quarterbacks in every every position. I don't know if Cam Newton's the top ten just yet, but uh, he's certainly facing he gunslingers. Uh, well, I know you think he is, but that's because you're a homer. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going off what most people might think. Um, certainly, Matt, Matt Mighty Ice is a is a top ten guy, and we know Drew Brees is top five. So, you know, you look at the the way that this division, I guess, is attacked is through the air. So the Bucks had to do something with their secondary, which has been um, let's just say needs improvement, but the Bucks went four and two in this division last year, Tarvin. So, you know, Greg Schiano has been making, um, I think, strides in the off season uh, to sort of improve this team. So, um, you know, this team was very, very good against the rush last year, Tarvin. So, if they can make with you know, if they can make some strides against the pass, and then if we can see Josh Freeman being more consistent with Doug Martin running the football. I mean, you might see this team uh, make a big leap this year. I want to say thank you to Jonathan. He says Cam is a top-ten quarterback. Well, he's somebody with some common sense tonight. But but I want to talk about Josh Freeman, Trey. Do you think he's the quarterback, really, 
to be able to win this division. I mean, we've, he's had chance after chance, really, and he looks like he has the pieces in place, Tampa does, you know, to make a run. But is he the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, Josh Freeman, the thing is the numbers kind of ended up being there for him last year. But, I mean, I know Miklos is a big Buck fan. But, you know, even him, you know, Miklos will tell you, I think, that um, that Buck fans aren't excited about Josh Freeman, even though he ended up putting up pretty good numbers by the end of last year. I think he had 27 touchdowns and 4,000 uh, passing yards. But uh, hopefully I'm not wrong on that stat there. But the point is, is, is Freeman has been – um, a very good quarterback at times, but at other times a very, very frustrating quarterback because his reads are uh, – you know, he, he makes really stupid decisions with the football. He makes the wrong read. He doesn't look off safety at times. I mean, there's some basic stuff that he seems to break down. But at other times, man, the guy looks like a game – you know, just game buster. He goes out and throws the you know football through a needle and then, you know, leaves the team to a comeback win. And he's got Doug Martin, so, you know, he should – improve again this year if he is a quarterback. I think this is his last year to prove it. I, I, I could see Tampa having a great year. I could see him going 10-6, and 11-5. I really could, but the only problem I see is is the consistency of Josh Freeman. And when you're playing against quarterbacks in this league like uh, Drew Brees and, and Matt Ryan, you've got, you have to score a lot of points to keep up. I don't care how good your defense is, you're not going to stop these offenses in this division, Carolina, they can run the football well. Cam's got an explosive arm. He does have some weapons now. The defense is getting better. Matt Ryan is loaded with weapons, Julio and Roddy White. They even brought on OC to help that defense out. And and here it, here it is, Sean Payton is back, trade for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, there's so many different variables going in this division where it could be anyone. So looking at Tampa's record this year, where are you going to put them at in your predictions? I won't give you your order yet, but give me a record that you're looking at Tampa Bay and where you look for them to finish, Rat. Ten wins, nine wins, what do you think? You know, I think legitimately the Buccaneers are going to be around, I would say, eight or nine, Parvin. I think they're going to improve, but I'm not – I just – I'm having a tough time uh, with them improving a whole lot because here's the thing. The Falcons, you know, we're 7-1 in this division. I don't think they're going to go 13-3 again. Uh, but it's hard to say they won't because, I mean, the Falcons only improved. Uh, so, I mean, that's possibly two losses for a lot of these teams. I mean, you get rid of John Abraham for the, the, the on the defense for the Falcons, and who do you get? OCU Manura. You, you, you send off your running back to the Falcons. Who do you get? Oh, by the way, it's Steven Jackson. So, the Falcons <laughs> are nothing but improve. Um, and, you know, you got the Saints, Peyton coming back. So, I'd have a tough time uh, really putting the Bucks over eight or nine wins. Yeah, I'm going to put the Bucks at at nine wins. Uh, I like them, you know, to be a bubble team. I think they are going to improve. I mean, it all depends on, like Jonathan said, the offensive line and Freeman. How will they perform? They have weapons everywhere. The defense is going to be good. Revis, I think, is going to make a huge, huge difference on that defense. Just having him there is going to it's going to make them look away from their top receivers a lot because you know he'll be on the number one guy. And these guys yeah. throw the ball, all of these teams. So I like Tampa. I'm gonna say nine and seven, Trey. And let's let's move to another team in this division. The team I like to pull for the Carolina Panthers. The t- thing that worries me about this, Trey, is the defense of Carolina. I mean, it's so bad, and and you put so much pressure on this offense to score every time they get the ball. And Cam Newton turned the ball over a lot last year. I think he turned it over 13 times, and he only accounted for 27 touchdowns. That's not going to do it this year. I think Cam's going to have to have a breakout season, actually, 
and the defense is going to have to play a lot better. But I just don't see that defense getting a lot better from this year, from last year to this year. No, I mean we're in, you know, we're now a couple of years into Ron Rivera's tenure, and he and it's been an interesting tenure. Uh, seven and nine last year, you know, you know, I just I look at the Carolina Panthers and I didn't see a lot of improvement to Harvin, and I didn't see a lot of help for Cam Newton. Yeah, so I'll be honest. I know that you. I was on the sort of Carolina bandwagon last year. I had them in the playoffs in the very beginning of last season. I kind of think they're going to take a step back, and I, I don't think the Carolina Panthers. They're going to be seven and nine again, or six and ten. I just don't think they have enough uh, on defense in the secondary, and I just, I just worry about tools around Cam Newton, receivers, and running backs um, to really help this team. I, I just don't see a progress report that looks good for them at the end of the year. Well, I see the team overall getting better. If you watch Cam last year, he started winning over the team. He started maturing. But when you start looking at the schedule, Trey, of Carolina, it's probably the toughest in the NFL, honestly, or in that division at least. The Seahawks come calling first game in Carolina at Buffalo. That's a win. The Giants come into town, a bye. And then, you I mean, you have the Vikings on the road in this. You play the – I think you play the Patriots at San Francisco – and you play the Saints, Falcons, and Bucks twice. I mean, it's not easy looking at their schedule. Now, and you know, one thing you know to sort of counter, I guess, counter my own argument was you got to remember the Carolina Panthers ended last year winning four in a row, so it was like they put something together at the end of the year. But even even with that tournament, I just still worry about this team if they start off. You know, how does Cam Newton? Is he really a leader yet? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that Cam Newton is the kind of guy who wouldn't give up the season if they got started off slow. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of question marks for this team still. I just don't think they're there for the playoffs yet. Yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. But the schedule looks bad. I'm going to put them at 9-7 and seven as well. I'm going to put them at nine wins this year. I think Cam Newton is going to have a good year, but I just don't think it's enough to get them in the playoffs right now. And I think Tampa – and Carolina are the two teams, you know, outside looking in, really, to see who – see the – I guess we'll go with the Atlanta Falcons right here. The Atlanta Falcons, like you said, Trey, they made a lot of great moves in the offseason. But I just don't have a lot of confidence in Matt Ryan, at quarterback. When a big game's on the line, it seems like he chokes, just like he gave it away against San Francisco last year. I can see the same thing happening. The regular season's important. It gets you home field. So, I mean, what, what, what good is home field when you blow it to a West Coast team? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, great. They got home field last year. They had a tough loss to Colin Kaepernick, you know, to the 49ers in the 28-24 game. But, I mean, this team, Tarvin, I mean, this team is really set up for a very, very good um, regular season. You know, I said I have a tough time putting them past the 13-3 last year. But, Tarvin, I mean, really, it's, I have a hard time not giving them 13 wins. I mean, this team is is just so good. I mean, they improved so many positions last year. I still think they have a little bit of sec- issue with the secondary and some guys who actually make tackles. I kind of wonder if, if OCU Yora has somebody on the other end uh, to sort of help him get to the quarterback. But uh, So I think they may give up some points to some mobile quarterbacks. So they may be in some shootouts. But, you know, with Steven Jackson, Tony Gonzalez, Julio Jones, Roddy White, and, and Matt Ryan, and they're not going to have problems spreading the ball around. So, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock them down, Parvin. I think I'm thinking they're gonna go 12 and four this year. 12 and four. Wow. 
That's exactly what I had him at. So I'm going to go 12 and 4 as well. But the thing is, Trey, I just have a lot hard time seeing them, you know, making the Super Bowl. They could do it. They have talent everywhere. I think Stephen Jackson could be huge because last year, as you saw, they went 13 and 3, really without a running game, Trey. Yeah, absolutely. Or was it 13 yeah, and 3 Turner, last year? Yeah, they're 13 and 3 last year. I mean, the Michael Turner wasn't um, just really wasn't there when it comes to running the ball. He wasn't consistent. You could tell his legs, a lot of, a lot of yards on him. Steven Jackson is going to give them a much better balance on offense. But I still think they're going to have problems really in shootout type of games where you have a mobile quarterback like Colin Kaepernick or somebody who comes calling. Um, I think they're going to struggle. So that's why I give them one more loss because I don't think they really addressed that enough with the, you know, the Humaniora um, sort of, you know, that addition. But, but still, I mean, this is going to be a team who's vying for home field for sure. And Jonathan made a good point in the chat room. He he picks them at eleven, and eleven wins, and he says they're still playing at Green Bay, at San Fran. They play Seattle in Atlanta in a rematch, really, and they play New Orleans or New England and on the road in New Orleans. So that's a tough schedule. I mean, the Falcons are stacked this year with against that schedule. It's going to be tough on. Them. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. There's some of the teams on that schedule. I think by name who we naturally think are tough games, but we'll have to see when we preview those um, what my thoughts are. Because I'll be honest, there's some teams that think you're going to have some big uh, big drop-offs from last year who were postseason teams. I, I agree. I totally agree. And that leads us to the New Orleans Saints. How big is it that Sean Payton is going to be back on this team? Well, I mean, you saw Drew Brees last year having to basically be the coach on the field. And, and they had their, you know, their their interim head coach was suspended for four games. I mean, this was a team that won seven, really without any kind of you know head coach leadership uh, at all on offense because of the whole bounty gate. So this team is going to be a much improved. But Tarvin, here's my question: They set the record the NFL for most yards given up by defense last year, although there were seven thousand. And my question to you is: What did they do to improve that? Nothing. I mean, they got, what, um, who'd they get? Keenan Lewis is a corner, yeah. but that's still not going to stop the run. No. No, so that's my that's my issue for the, for the Saints this year, Tarvin, is I think they're going to be a better football team, especially they're going to be more. I guess there's some games they lost in the fourth quarter last year because offensively they weren't there. They're not going to lose those games this year. Uh, and so their schedule actually is not bad. Uh, you know, they have in the first month of the season, they got Arizona and Miami at home. And that's certainly not, not the worst places to, or worst teams to come calling. They're on the road against Chicago and New England. It's a little tougher. And they got Buffalo. That's not so bad. They play at the Jets. That's not so bad. So you kind of see which conference they're lined up against. So actually, I, I think that, you know, if I'm looking at the, you know, their season this year, I'm looking at nine nine wins, maybe even ten. I would say eight to ten wins for them this year, Tarvin. I'd look at them as being a possible postseason team. Yeah, and Trey, you said it perfect, and that's my concern, is last year when I watched this team play. I mean, I saw Carolina torch these guys. I saw Arizona come to New Orleans and torch them. I mean, that defense is bad, but I just don't see it getting much better. And I'm thinking, like you said, eight to ten wins. I'll put them at ten just because, Peyton's back, and maybe they can find they can outscore people. But in this division, you have to play both defense and offense, and that's going to be a problem. So my project, projected order finish: the Falcons win the division, 
the Saints and the Panthers and Bucks tie for the the third and fourth. So, Trey, I just don't see it going any different than that. I think Carolina or Tampa could sneak up to that number two, but I just don't think anybody's going to beat the Falcons over 16 games. Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, this, this the New Orleans season, I think, is they're going to they're gonna be looking really good coming down to like the last five or six games of the season. Uh, and let me tell you, actually, it's probably about the last eight games. Starting after they face the New York Jets, they're at home against Dallas, home against Frisco, at Atlanta, at Seattle, and then two of their last four games, they play Carolina. So they're going to have a shot in the division, like Carolina is, at the end of the season to really change the dynamics of this division. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this division's got a lot of a potential talent in here and a lot of guys who are 7-9, and nine, so we'll see who takes a step up and who doesn't. Uh, I don't think another team makes the postseason out of here, but I think that the New Orleans Saints are going to be very close. I think they're, if they do win 10, they could be a playoff team. I'm not going to call them yet. I mean, the only playoff team I'm calling out of this division, Harvin, is still the Falcons. Yeah. Any chance of the Bucks or Carolina get in there and win this division? I, I think winning the division, I think this is one of the more secure divisions for the Falcons. I mean, I, I just can't see that coup uh, for the Falcons not winning the division. But I think, you know, you're legitimately looking at the other three teams having a possibility to get to 10 wins. Uh, and we get the postseason. I think the, Saint, the Saints and the Bucks have the better chance because of the scheduling. Um, but, you know, it's possible for all three of these teams to really take that uh, next step. Well, here's an interesting stat for you, Jonathan, just put up in the chat room. And nobody has ever won the division back-to-back years straight. Yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy division for sure. Um, but Atlanta, I, I just – you know, unless they have some major injuries, I mean, this, they ha- they're set up to really have a good season. And New Orleans could could have a better season. I know they've flip-flopped over the past couple of years, as Jonathan pointed out, uh, in the top of the division. But I just think Atlanta is built uh, to keep winning. All right. We both have it. Atlanta winning the division. And at least Jonathan's not a homer tonight picking Tampa Bay to, to win this division. So he's with me. He thinks Freeman sucks as well. So we'll see. Trey, we're going to go to a commercial break, and when we come back, it's college football time, baby. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea. We'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. We are back, and we just got through previewing the NFC South. And you heard it here. Trey and I picked Atlanta to win this division, uh, followed by probably New Orleans and then Carolina and Tampa. So it's going to be an interesting division. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa or Carolina took this division, actually. And I think all of these teams are talented, and all of them have holes, Trey. But if you look at the the team with the least amount of weaknesses, I think it's Atlanta. Yeah, and just I mean, just to be clear, you know, the only, I know. Uh, are you are you calling New Orleans the playoff team, Darwin, right now? Uh, God, it's hard, man. If they go ten and six, like I predicted, yes, I think they'll make the playoffs. All right, so I got that down. I'm making sure we keep up with our our predictions for those in the chat room who want to call in later and say how wrong or right we were. Uh, and I have Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa, and uh, Carolina as my four. 
and Atlanta is the only playoff team. So, you know, talking about the NFL, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Good to start off with our first preview. Well, I'll make a bet with you right now, Trey. Carolina beats the Falcons both times this year. <laughs> Are you going to bet your salary on that? I'm going to bet double my salary. <laughs> You know, it's, it's right? It's, 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 I'm like I'm like Aaron Rodgers over here, man. I'm just gonna bet my salary. Uh, only a pony only, up. Only, make, right. only make a only make a quarter million a year. I don't make as much as he does. <laughs> well, I think you have enough to give me some money then. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna move on to the college football world, Trey. And you know, last week we had or last few weeks we've had some good previews and. You know, this one, there's some people questioning why Arkansas, why we're talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks, Trey. Why did you pick them? Well, you know, they with Brett Villama coming in, I mean, Arkansas hasn't exactly been an SEC doormat. I think a lot of folks in college football are thinking that this could be a different type of year. I mean, you look at their out-of-conference schedule, Tarvin, and it is super easy so, I mean, that's possibly four wins. I mean, I think the Arkansas Razorbacks could be a team uh, who actually gets to the postseason and makes some noise. I mean, they're I think, four and eight, Tarvin. They're not going to do four and eight again. I think they will. Mm. I think well, they will. They've lost. Yeah, let's get to it. You take the lead and let's go. All right, well, let's, we'll start off with, you know, just last year, they, I'll sort of break it down for you guys and sort of remind you, last year they were four and eight. They were two and six. In the SEC, and, and oh, by the way, of those eight losses, one of them actually came at home to the ULM Warhawks, who almost beat two SEC teams last year. So they had a kind of a rough time of it. They actually lost at a conference to Rutgers as well at home in Fayetteville. So, you know, Tarvin, this was a team that not only struggled in the SEC going doing two two and six, but struggled at a conference as well. So. You're going right to, you know, Tarvin, that, that 2013 football schedule uh, for Arkansas. I don't think they're going to have the same sort of problems, I guess, right off the bat. I mean, do you see the Louisiana Raging Cajuns as being, uh, I guess, biting them, biting them? I mean, Lafayette can score points, Trey. I mean, that, that's one thing about them. They can score points. They're a small team. Um, they like to spread you out and, and play football. It's it's going to be interesting, but no, I, I just think Arkansas has more talent, and I think they'll get past this game. But, I mean, this this team lost a lot, Trey. I mean, they turned the ball over a million times last year. Their penalties were terrible. And when you're struggling on offense and defense and you're turning the ball over in penalties, it's just going to kill you even more. And now you're handing it to a sophomore Brandon Allen, you know, to get the job. But, Trey, this is a power physical running football team that Bill is bringing. They don't have the, the personnel to do this, really, and to be very successful this first year. I think there are folks who think that the offensive line obviously needs a lot of work, but they may have a running back or two who, who Bill can make a star. I mean, here's the, the skinny of it, Tarvin. I mean, of their first three games, I mean, Louisiana uh, is going to be their toughest opponent. I mean, that's saying something. But they play Stanford, uh, yes, Stanford, S-A-M, for those of you who don't know that the Stanford Bulldogs in Birmingham are a real team. Uh, they play them in the second game of the season, and then and that's in Little Rock. And then they play uh, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, who went 0-12 last year, 0-12. So that first three games, Tarvin, I mean, there's three wins on my book right there. They only won four last year. So if you're saying they're going to win four again, uh, 
They've won the first three. I'm very interested to see where we go from here. Well, I'm very interested to show you where we're going. You just keep going. <laughs> Miklo says, don't be hating on Sanford. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hating on Sanford. So, um, that's 3-0, and Tarvin. The move is to the Rutgers game in Rutgers Stadium. Rutgers coming off a ton of off-season troubles, Tarvin. I mean, this team, um, I mean, you can't have a program. I mean, you know, we coaches, you know, all doing all kinds of stuff for players, the AD getting kicked out. I mean, Rutgers is all in sort of disarray, Tarvin. So you, you, tell me about this game, Tarvin. Is Rutgers 9-4 and last year? Are they going to hold serve at home? Yeah, I think they will. I think this early in the season, Arkansas, even though they're 3-0, and they're still trying to work out the kinks, and they haven't played a, a tough challenge yet, and they've been at home every game. I, I just don't think it's enough time for this team. I don't think any amount of time this year is going to be enough for them to gel and, and run Billman's offense and, and actually be successful. I think they lose on the road to Rutgers or September 21st. They're 3-1. and Yeah, yeah, I'm going to not so fast. Yeah, I think, you know, last year – Rutgers came in to Fayetteville and beat them 35-26. I mean, this was a close game. This was back in, you know, after Arkansas had got blasted by the Crimson Tide the week before. So I think that this is going to be a game that Billima has them ready for. This is the kind of game that coaching will make a difference in. Uh, They're still talent-wise. There are some games that are going to get blasted in this year, but this is not going to be one of them. I got Arkansas moving on to 4-0. Yeah, I have them three and one right now, so let's keep moving, and I'll show you where all these L's are about to start going. <laughs> all right, so you got them at three and one. So let's let's bring some L's. I think the next game is at home against Texas A&M, and uh, I see an L in this book here. So I got them at four and one. I think Johnny Menzel is going to come into into Little Rock or into Fayetteville, excuse me, and and they're going to do some damage. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to beat Texas A&M, you're going to have to put up some points, and that's the problem I see. I mean, the defense is returning, I think, six or seven, eight starters, somewhere around in there, a lot of starters, but it's still a bad defense. But I think that will be the most improved of the group will be the defense, but it still won't be enough to slow down Texas A&M at this point. I got Texas A&M big. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jonathan just sort of saw where we're going with this. The next four, next four games are real tough for Arkansas. I think we're going to hang a lot of losses on them there. They're at Florida the next game at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. I think Florida gets Arkansas big in this game. I think Arkansas is going to have a two-game losing streak going into South Carolina. Yeah, and going to the swamp right now, and once that crowd gets going, I think the offense will be able to put up some points on Arkansas, and I think Florida's defense will be very stingy and create some turnovers. You could possibly see a special teams touchdown by Florida in this one. This is going to get ugly quick. I like Florida. Yeah, you're talking about special teams touchdowns. That's where I was looking at South Carolina the next game in Arkansas. I think it's going to be closer than South Carolina wants, but I think it's going to be one of those games that turnovers and special teams matter. The Gamecocks are going to go into go into Razorback Stadium, and they're going to come out with a win. Yeah, I like Connor Shaw. being He's an experienced quarterback in this situation, and I like the defensive line of South Carolina, the defense in general. I think Clowney – you know, can pin his ears back once they get by, once they get up early on Arkansas and give that sophomore a little, a lot of trouble. Actually, the best thing about this game is at home for Arkansas, but it'll be okay. It'll be close. I'm thinking something like 24 to 13, something like that. I think South Carolina pulls it out. 
Yeah, and then they travel to, to Alabama the next game, Tarvin. So I'll, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, they're 4-4 four and four at this point in my book after their uh, – I think the only one game we have different is the Rutgers game. I think in Bryant-Denny Stadium, it's going to be <laughs> ugly. Arkansas is going to get beat pretty handily. Uh, this team is not returning enough starters at this point, not enough guys to be able to beat a team like Alabama on the road. Yeah, Alabama seems to sometimes struggle against Arkansas, but not this year. Saban's going to welcome Brett to the uh, to the SEC, and and you know Brett's been kissing up to Saban, talking about slowing it down and and penalizing these hurry up offenses. I think he's doing that to butter Saban up, but Saban's not going to have it. It's going to be big. Yeah, and then we go into a bye week. You got them with three wins still. I got them at four, and they come home uh, against the Razor Razorback Stadium uh, against the Auburn Tigers. This game last year, Tarvin was a bit of a disappointment for the Tigers. Losing twenty-four to seven in Jordan Hare. So Tarvin, do you have Auburn paying them back in in Arkansas? Well, I mean, this time that game last year, the team has already quit. I mean, they were done. They had no kind of offense. Like Arkansas was taking a timeout during one possession of that game, and Auburn still got a false start penalty. The whole team was over there to the sideline. So. I think Auburn, at this time of the season, uh, they're clicking on offense. The defense is getting – if they can just stay away from injuries and, and not lose their depth, I think they'll be able to pull it out. This will be a tough game for Auburn. They've never played well in Arkansas. So, right. I like yeah. Auburn, but, but but just by a small margin, Trey. Yeah, I think this is a super big game uh, for Arkansas in their season this year. They're coming off the bye week. I think that's the big difference here. I mean, Arkansas hasn't breathed. Uh, until this point, I mean, they have eight straight weeks basically where they're playing, um, and they, you know, playing four big games before. This game's going to come down to how healthy is Arkansas at this point? Can they get healthy for this Auburn game? I'm guessing by this point, a couple guys are coming back after getting injured earlier in the season for Arkansas, possibly. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have Arkansas by a field goal, holding on at home against Auburn. Okay, I mean, I can see it. I mean. I mean, Auburn's not a, a powerhouse anymore. So this, this is going to be a battle to see. It could possibly be who who sucks the less, in the, at least in the SEC West. So you can't overlook anybody when you're 3-9 and nine the prior year. So this is a big game for both teams at this time because this could be, you know, no bowl for Arkansas if they lose and no bowl for Auburn. So you have Auburn. Right. I have Auburn. So let's move on to the last three. These are not going to be easy. No, and I think I'll go ahead and put them to bed here. I think Ole Miss gives them their fifth loss. They're five and five at Ole Miss. I think you know just too much uh, for them to win a whole lot of games on the road next year. I think these games are going to be enough to get them even traveling to Ole Miss this year. Ole Miss is not going to be all that great, but they're going to be good enough to win a lot of home games. So I got them at five and five coming into their next open date. Well, I have Ole Miss beating Arkansas. You know, they always do at home right now. Arkansas has no chance to beat Ole Miss on the road. I like Ole Miss. And in these next two games, Trey, I might give Arkansas a win. Well, I, mean, I think uh, Mississippi State is going to be one of the worst teams in the SEC. So I have them beating uh, Mississippi State, getting their sixth win. And I'll tell you, I have them losing at LSU for sure. So that gives them, that gives them a six and six in my book, Tarvin, with a two-game, a two-game advantage over last year. Okay, I have them beating Mississippi State, but this is going to be a dog fight. It could go either way. Losing to LSU, I have them four and eight, the same as last year. But this is going to give Billum a chance to put his system in, 
to recruit, and I look for a, a much improved Arkansas team going into the next year. Well, and that, that's a good point, Tarvin. So you have them the same. Uh, I have them six and six. So, you know, while we preview Arkansas, I, I think they're moving in the right direction. Um, you know, I really do think that this is going to be a team that has already started recruiting. I mean, you saw this with the Alex Collins uh, recruitment. They got they got guys that are running back who can run for Ben Billman's offense. They just need the offensive guys. Um, Arkansas has never been a place that can't really, you know, that has trouble recruiting against the big guys. They can always get a guy or two in there and really compete. So we'll have to see what Billima does if they have another you know, year where they don't make a bowl. At 6-6, six and six, the SEC team is making a bowl. So i got them going to, to a lowercase bowl for sure. Well, I want to give you an example last year. Auburn was coming off the spread, going to a power game. And, and you saw what that did. I mean, they couldn't get first downs. The offensive line wasn't ready. They had no receivers. The quarterback was bad. The play calling was bad. One thing I'll give Arkansas is I think Dillon is a better coach than what we had last year. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I think he'll make a difference there. I, I mean, I think four wins at eight, if you're an Arkansas fan, you're just going to have to deal with it another year. You're not going to be successful this year. Too much change going on and too many people you're having to break in. So this is going to be a very disappointing. If they make a bowl game trade, I would be shocked. So Arkansas, we're just going to move past them. And, and here's a team we're going to trade, the Ohio State Buckeyes. A lot of people are projecting them to win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that Ohio State is the team um, to take down the SEC. But, you know, one of the things about Ohio State that's got to worry you, I mean, I know, you know, you're not worried if you have, you know, if you're talking about Braxton Miller, this guy is, you know, embracing his Heisman Trophy candidacy after he finished fifth last year. But here's my question. So, you know, you get Brad, Brad, Bradley Roby, excuse me, the defensive back who's facing misdemeanor battery charges, and, and we don't know what's going to happen with him. And then even more interesting is Carlos Hyde, who was um, labeled as a person of interest in an assault case, who right now is off the team. Uh, and he's their starting running back, oh, by the way. So, um, you know, you're talking about a team in Ohio State, Tarbin, who has had some off-the-field troubles this year. You've had Irvin Meyer, who has been clouded in, um, let's just say, doubting of his ability to handle a program and have guys not get arrested. I mean, one of the things I love about Mark Rick is he said uh, when guys get arrested that, you know, you recruit those guys knowing that they may get arrested. So you recruit, um, you know, if you recruit, if you recruit thugs, you may get that outcome even no matter how hard you try. And so a lot of people have been criticizing Urban Meyer in the offseason for, you know, recruiting thugs. So, Tarvin, uh, all this is going on while people are claiming them to be the next team to beat, you know, the SEC in the national championship game. So, I mean, I am sick of hearing about Ohio State, how great they are. I'm I'm tired of hearing about how Urban Meyer, how great he is. Look, he went 12-0 last year, but look at the schedule he played, Trey. I mean – Let's look at it. I mean, Miami of Ohio, uh, Central Florida, California, UAB, and then they squeaked one out by one at Michigan State. They did beat the brakes off Nebraska. I'll have to give them that. But the Purdue game where they had to come back from a miracle October 20th in overtime to beat them, and I just really wasn't impressed with them last year. They barely beat Michigan. They had no pressure on them, Trey. It's going to be a lot different now playing, you know, when, when it matters when it really matters. Like you said, the off-the-field troubles, Urban Meyer under scrutiny, I think you have to run the ball to win. And Braxton Miller, Trey, what happens if he gets hurt? What happens if he's touching the ball yeah. too much and he gets down with an injury? What are they going to do? 
Well, I, here's the thing is, and, and yeah, I'm not gonna. We're, we're gonna get into this. I'm not gonna tell you what I think about what they're gonna, ha- what's gonna happen to Ohio State by the end of the year, whether they're gonna the national championship game or, or whatever. But the the key to Ohio State season is gonna rely, I think, not necessarily on Braxton Miller. I, I, you know, it's hard to predict him getting hurt, but that could obviously change the entire landscape of college football if he did get hurt. Um, but to me, I look at Ohio State and they have nine returning on offense. But they only have four returning on defense, and this is still a team that isn't that deep at certain positions because of everything that was going on with, you know, their prior scandal. So um, Urban Meyer still hasn't – he doesn't still have, have – excuse me, he still doesn't have a full cupboard uh, of players if something happens. So that's what I'm more concerned about is the fact that some of these teams last year who really aren't very good were able to score a little bit on on Ohio State. I mean – you know, the Cal Bears dropped 28 on them in a 35-28 game. You know, there's the, the 38, I mean, yeah, they scored 63, but Nebraska put 38 on them. I mean, Indiana put up 49, and this is a defense that had <laughs> returning starters. So they only have four guys returning last year, this year from last year's squad. So that's my concern when looking at, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room that is that is Ohio State. Well, that's a great point, Stray. And before we get into their schedule – I just want to mention something while we're going through it and while we're touching these out-of-conference games. You hear a lot of Ohio State fans, Big Ten fans, talking about the SEC's out-of-conference schedule. Well, let's just take a look, Trey, at Ohio State's real quick. Get us started. Oh, yeah. Let's let's start off with the Ohio State schedule. Uh, It it is not difficult out-of-conference. They open up on uh, August 31st uh, at home uh, against the Buffalo Bulls. Not the Buffalo Bills. Don't don't get get, get too crazy. The Buffalo Bulls. The Bulls are coming into Ohio State. This should be a, a scrimmage game, just like the next three, really, for them. But uh, I like Ohio State big, and that's a real tough challenge starting off the season. Yeah, you know, the Buffalo Bulls were 4-8 last year, Tarvin. They are returning 17 starters. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see Ohio State. You know, this is going to be – I think Buffalo might actually be a little bit competitive early on. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be a runaway. I'll go ahead and move on to San Diego State, who was 9-4 and four last year. Uh, they don't have the same players that gave them to that 9-4 and four uh, season last year. They're going to lose this game as well, which uh, I have them two in every throughout the season. I do as well, Trey. So that, that, gets, um, that gets us to uh, – some folks are already commenting on their schedule. They're a little ahead of us. That gets us to at Cal, and Cal is 3-9. and nine. Uh, last year, Cal actually, like I said before, gave them a game in Columbus. But I mean, this is just a terrible, terrible Cal team. They're going to be at home, so maybe they have a shot. But I mean, it may be close, Tarvin. But this is going to be a, a loss for California and a win for Ohio State. Yeah, I just don't think California has the defense to stop Braxton Miller. I think they make more plays. It's going to be a higher scoring game than what you would think. California is not that good. But I, I like Ohio State in this one, and no surprise there, 3-0. and And then the next one, Florida A&M, Trey, any chance of an upset? Well, I mean, Florida A&M was 4-7 and last year, Tarvin, so <laughs> no. <laughs> no, right, no shot. Well, now the schedule starts getting in the comp. They play all of their out-of-conference games up front, and then they go to eight straight conference games. So I'm interested to see your predictions. Well, I mean, they start off with a game that's going to be televised. I mean, it's going to be the Wisconsin Badgers coming into Columbus. You know, this game, if it was in Wisconsin, you know, maybe. I mean, Wisconsin has won the Big Ten three years in a row. 
But, you know, this is the same Wisconsin just lost their head coach. So, you know, I'm not too big on Wisconsin this year. When teams lose a guy like, like Billima, who had taken them to three straight, you know, conference championships and Rose Bowls, I mean, there is some psyche damage that may come in there as well for these guys and new systems and new coaches. And so I just think Wisconsin, I don't think they're they're ready this year to beat Ohio State, um, you know, on the road. No, I, I totally agree with you. But this will be a challenge for Ohio State, really, you know, getting in the conference play. It's going to be a dogfight. I think they're just too much at home. So I have them, what, 5-0 and right now, just like you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Wisconsin, they do have nine guys on offense returning. Um, so, you know, who knows? Wisconsin may be better than the 8-6 and six record they had last year when they actually won the Big Ten with a terrible record. But uh, I just don't know. I don't know what to make of Wisconsin yet. Uh, we haven't broken them down. Uh, but I just don't see them pulling off this win. But, you know, they go – then Ohio State goes on the road, Tarvin, to Northwestern. Uh, at Northwestern, who was 10-3 and three last year. I know we already broke down Northwestern, so maybe those who are really paying attention know what we're going to predict. But what do you have here? I have Northwestern pulling the upset off, and I think this loss is going to knock Ohio State out of a championship contention because I'll tell you the reason. One loss, if they won the Big Ten, that would be great. But the thing is, the Big Ten is not respected anymore, and losing one game is still not enough to get you past some of the other one-loss conference teams like the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, and maybe even the ACC right now. So losing this game is going to knock Ohio State out of contention, Trey. I like Northwestern to pull a big upset. Yeah, and, you know, as we go through this, Harvin, this schedule actually I think is easier. All the people who hated Ohio State's schedule last year, um, you know, if you're you're sort of looking ahead, which some of the guys in the chat room are, they don't have Nebraska on the schedule. They don't have Michigan State on the schedule. So you know, this, this schedule, you know, this is kind of the biggest game um, for Ohio State because, you know, the rest of the road games, um, is the only one that matters at the end of the season is, is Michigan. So uh, this is their biggest road challenge uh, of the season absent Michigan. So I think they beat Northwestern. I'm going to keep with my prediction earlier. But it's going to be a super tight game. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Wildcats do pull off an upset. Cause I just don't think that defense – of Ohio State is going to be able to hold some of these guys down. And I think Northwestern, uh, you know, by the way, they sort of spread the ball around. They may actually give Ohio State a little, a little bit of a fit. Yeah, I like the coach, uh, Fitzgerald, for Northwestern. He's going to have his troops ready. This is a big game. This is a huge game for Northwestern. This will help their season, but it's going to end Ohio State's here. So, all you Ohio State fans out there, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. Northwestern with the upset. Well, I mean, it's not a bad pick at all. I mean, you, you got to think Northwestern, um, you know, a lot of buzz around them. We already picked uh, Northwestern's, um, you know, schedule. So, uh, Northwestern, if they do that, Tarman, it's going to really put them on the map, and they're going to jump way up in the conference, and excuse me, in the standing. So, we'll have to see if that, that comes to fruition and for all you Ohio State lovers or haters out there. But that moves into an open date, and then they get to come home again, and it seems like they have almost every game at home this year. Um, they have the Iowa Hawkeyes, Darvin. Yeah, it's going to be a cakewalk. I mean, let's let's face it. Iowa's not recruiting. They develop players. They but it's, it's, you have to have talent to beat an Ohio State team, especially on the road. So I like Ohio State big. Yeah, I do too. I mean, Iowa's four and eight last year. I think at some point Iowa's going to need to re sort of think their entire program. They really 
they really haven't been on the right track for a long time. So they win this game, and then it has the 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 Nittany Lions come into town. Penn State was eight and four last year, and surprised a lot of folks. Uh, Penn State has thirteen returning starters, eight on offense, and five on defense. Can they pull off the upset? No, I mean the motion's not there this year for Penn State. Now the depth starts happening, losing these the scholarships, the players transferring. I think reality sets in for Penn State before this game, actually. I think Ohio State handles them with ease. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Penn State's going to be actually as good as they were last year. And, and unfortunately for Penn State, it's, I mean, this game in Happy Valley, uh, maybe they can you know sneak up on Ohio State in, in a home crowd. But not going to Ohio State, yeah, I know. And the thing is, it's hard as I say that, I think back of Ohio State, they struggled a lot at home last year against weaker opponents. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe you do have a shot at Penn State. Maybe actually playing in in Columbus is better. But uh, I just don't see it happening, Tarvin. Actually, I still have Ohio State undefeated to this point. Uh, You're a homer. I figure you would. (laughs) All right, go ahead. I'm going to tell you, November, November trade looks very easy except one game. I mean, I would kill to have this schedule. I really would. Oh, well, sorry, I don't know who you'd kill. That says a lot about you. Um, <laughs> at Purdue and at Illinois and then Indiana, just to sort of give you a little bit about those three teams, uh, as I, Ohio State will win all three. Purdue was 6-7 and seven last year, then there's a bye week. Illinois was 2-10 and ten last year, and Indiana was 4-8. and eight. I mean, Indiana gave um, – and it was at Indiana last year, but actually it was a 3.52 to 49 game last year, and Purdue took them to overtime – in Columbus. Uh, so even with that, Tarvin, I think the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, still remain undefeated through those three games. Well, I have them 10 and 1 after those three games, and you have them undefeated. So I'm interested to see. I mean, going to Michigan, Trey, since you have them undefeated, tell us about this. Well, in Michigan, they were 8 and 5 last year. They returned 11 starters, 5 on offense, and 6 on, on defense. And last year, if you talk about you know the the big game. Ohio State actually pulled it out twenty six to twenty one, but you know Devin Gardner I think is a, is a better quarterback. The fact that the game is in Michigan, I have Michigan actually beating Ohio State, and I think that loss takes them completely out of the national championship picture. Because as you said before, uh, a Big Ten team with one loss is not the same as a SEC team with one loss. Yeah, and, and one thing that's going to really hurt them, in my opinion, I have them 10-1, and one. Devin Garner in Michigan, they're the real deal, guys. Michigan's not a bad football team. They're going to be much improved from last year. I mean, they called Alabama the first game of the year last year. I mean, it's hard to get your confidence up after getting beat like that, but Michigan didn't have a terrible year. If, if, if they've recovered from the clowny hit, they're going to be okay. And I think being in Ann Arbor, Brady Hoke's got these guys going trade. Devin Garner, just like Tom Luganville said, you got to watch out for this guy. He could be the Big Ten Player of the Year. I like Michigan to pull it off here. Ohio State's ten and two. Yeah, so we both have. I mean, all those folks who are predicting Ohio State into the national championship game, neither you or I have them. So, uh, so those of you who are keeping track at home, you or I haven't had a team who's in the national championship picture yet. No, we haven't, and and I know I know we haven't covered Alabama yet, but I'm not I'm not too sure of that one either. And 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 you know the thing is, Tino's going to call in in just a minute. We haven't heard from Tino in a while. We're excited about that, but he's going to talk a little Auburn Tigers with us. 
but I'm, I'm not saying they're a contender yet. I hope they are. But Devin Garner, guys, Devin Garner, and I said this before Tom Luganville did, Trey, you have to watch out for this guy. I think he's better than Denard Robinson because he's bigger. He's a complete package. Denard Robinson is so small, it's just hard for him to see over these defenses. And he's, he's more of a just a special teams player, receiver, running back, just do it all. They have a true quarterback now with Al Borges, the offensive coordinator at Auburn back in the uh, 2003 and 04 seasons, Trey, and I think 05. He knows how to call against defenses like Ohio State. Don't be surprised if Michigan doesn't win the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan is, is, is probably, you know, looking at them, my favorite to win the Big Ten. But, you know, just going back to Ohio State and their non-conference um, schedule, Tarvin, for those of you who were looking at the last two years of Ohio State and with Iyer, uh, as uh, Jonathan said in our chat room, uh, he was, you know, he would kill Mark Emmerich for that, uh, for that schedule. <laughs> I don't know if I'd kill anybody for it, but um, Tarvin, looking at their, just so you know, uh, their 2014 uh, at a conference, they're they're playing Navy, um, which is not not a hard game. They play Kent State and the Golden Flashes, but then they play Virginia Tech and Cincinnati, which are going to be much harder at a conference opponents for Ohio State. Uh, 2015, they pick up Northern Illinois and they travel to Virginia Tech. So uh, at least Virginia Tech and Cincinnati are going to be harder opponents for them next year. But um, and then they have Oklahoma in 2016, and then 2017 they have Oklahoma and North Carolina. So looks like they are scheduling some guys uh, coming up in the future. And actually, for Jason Humphrey in 2020 at Oregon. Man, that's so mark a that on your calendar. I'm already getting hate mail, Trey. I'm getting hate mail right now. I'm very high right now for picking Ohio State to lose two games. How in the world are they going to lose to Michigan? You. I'm not even gonna say that word. You have them losing to Northwestern. Yes, I do. Oh God, Trey, I'm getting some hate mail tonight. I like that. Ten and two, the Buckeyes, and and tell me about Urban Meyer. What what is his excuse after after this 12 game schedule? Well, I I think that if 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 Ohio State doesn't run the table in this schedule, then obviously, I mean, like I said, and the reason I was sort of pointing that out, uh, if they're out of conference schedule next year, is it doesn't get it doesn't get easier in their last two-year run, I mean, uh, schedule-wise. I mean, that that's it. I mean, I know their recruiting will, you know, they have a much better recruiting classes coming in. But, you know, this is a great window of opportunity for Urban Meyer to put a national championship up for Ohio State or at least get there. I mean, so this is their year, Tarvin. I think this is their, their best, best chance to get in that game. Well, speaking of Ohio State and recruiting, Trey, all of this, off the field, um, Aaron Hernandez, all the stuff that he's taken some flag for, some of his arrests at Florida. I mean, they had a ton of arrests under his watch. Does that hurt recruiting at all for Urban Meyer after all of this? No, I mean, ultimately, no. I mean, I think some kids who are the guys who are worried about their grades and who are worried about, um, you know, if Urban Meyer is going to take care of them as a person, and those people probably weren't going to Ohio State anyway. Uh, certainly if they were on the fence, they're not going to. I mean, Urban Meyer has always recruited or been attracted to the players who, uh, let's just say, you know, grades were maybe an issue, off-the-field conduct were maybe there was an issue. I mean, Urban Meyer recruits basically uh, one sort of player, a football player, and he doesn't really look for other things as a lot of other coaches do. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Brady Hope, if they can beat Ohio State, which I have predicted, 
they're going to get a lot of momentum for the recruiting class. But Urban Meyer is a recruiter. I mean, he's the best in the Big Ten right now. There's not many close to him at all. The Big Ten's not known for the conferences. But if you look at the NFL or the recruiting, if you look at the NFL draft last year, Trey, the Big Ten had one person taken in the first round, I believe, and the SEC had 12. And I think that's the difference between the two conferences right now. In order to get back to that national championship team, you have to recruit. And it's not just one year, Trey. It's several years in a row. So I don't think Urban gets it done this year. But if he gets some momentum, then Ohio State and Michigan will have a chance before long to play for a championship. I'm not saying they'll win one, but I'll say they'll play for one. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State and Michigan are both going in the right direction. Uh, Now the question for the Big Ten is, is there another school that's going to do it? I mean, Nebraska, what we've seen to Nebraska has been very inconsistent. They recruit a lot of three-star guys. They try to to mold those guys into good football players. But so far, Nebraska hasn't really done it. They've been on that same sort of uh, spinning log uh, and they keep falling off of it. So, uh, and then you look at Wisconsin, they've won three straight, you know, Big Ten championships, but, you know, with the lose, and their coach left to go to Arkansas, who was 4-8 last year. That tells you a little bit about their program. So, you know, who is the, who is the next team up to really capture the Big Ten and actually make it more of a competitive conference and a conference we want to talk about? I don't know. Talking about I mean, Michigan State certainly isn't there. I mean, who is it? I mean, right now it's a two, sort of a two-team conference. I think Northwestern's heading in the right direction as well. That's another team, you know, that I think – I don't know if they'll ever be able to get there, but they're heading in a good direction. I don't expect their head coach to stay Fitzgerald much longer. I think he beats Ohio State this year, and he has another nine-win season. I think he's out of there. But, Trey, we're going to go to commercial break. We'll be right back. Thinking about switching telephone service for your business to voice over IP, but you don't know where to start? We'd like to tell you about Clear Voice VIP from Telesystems. It has more features than traditional phone service, is more reliable, and can save you up to 60%. Call us toll-free at 866-608-7182. Clear Voice VIP is business class phone service you can count on. 866-608-7182. And we are back. Trey just sent a message from Tino. He said, don't run just yet. Don't, he don't want you to go run and hide because his name was mentioned. Yeah, don't, don't worry, Tino. No one's running. No one's hiding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. All right, let's move over real quick to the NFL. Denver Broncos, Trey. I mean, another big-time loss for them. Their center tore his ACL, and that's after Von Miller getting suspended four games. Um for his drug suspension. I mean, what do you think about the Broncos? They're not heading in the right direction right now. No, I mean, this is the kind of year or the time of year that we talk about, you know, losing players to injuries and off-the-field conduct, and you know, Denver now has got tapped both ways. So, you know, so far, uh, neither one of those are going to cost them their season. I mean, their center is probably actually worse than losing Von Miller for four games because at least you get Von Miller back. Um, but, uh, you know, because, I mean, it's the end of the year that matters, not the beginning of the year. If you lose four in the, the beginning, I mean, the Denver Broncos aren't aren't going to do that. But uh, at least they can always pull out in the very end and, and pull ahead. So um, I think the center is actually, actually a big loss, Darwin. It is a huge loss. And, I mean, that it's hard to replace a center. I mean, at least they have time. They get, a what, six weeks to actually get some kind of a rhythm together with a new one. But uh, it doesn't look like he's coming back. So, 
I mean, I don't know the rules. I mean, is there any way they can go out and pick up a center? Well, I mean, if, if there was one available. Well, the, with the money, Peyton Manning, you you get a chance to play with Peyton. Uh, I think I would come. Any chance Saturday comes back? No, I don't think so. Well, he can play center. I know he can. So, But that's a lot. I mean, luckily for the Denver Broncos, this division is not good. I mean, that's one good thing. Winning the division is not going to be, you know, in poor. I think they win that easy with the, if I was starting at center. But, but the thing you have to look at is getting that home field advantage for the playoffs. I think the AFC is wide open this year. I don't see that. I think Denver is the favorite. But, but when you start talking about these injuries, center with an ACL, suspensions, I, I, I don't know, things like that. That's why you play it on the field and you don't play it on paper, Dre. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the things that um, you know, we haven't predicted that 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 division either. One, we're waiting on to see some of um, you know some of the off the field stuff how it works out. I mean, Von Miller, uh, if he's playing those four games, if they win their appeal, which by the way, some people in Denver think that they may win the appeal on Von Miller. Uh, so if they do, I mean, that changes those first four games quite a bit, Thurman. Yes, I mean it does. The state of the NFL, real quick. Donovan McNabb, Trey, is going to retire tomorrow. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, is it surprising? No. I mean, Donovan McNabb hasn't really been a contributor in the NFL a little bit of time. But, um, you know, I know he's signing with the Eagles to retire with them. So, I mean, it's always nice to see that. But um, not surprising that he's leaving football. Not at all. Yeah, Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback back in the day. I mean, I, I respect Donovan what all he did. Uh, just sad to see him go. He did a lot for the Eagles organization, and he's going to retire Eagle. I'm I'm proud to see, you know, Donovan McNabb, but he has been in the negative light here lately, Trey, with some of his comments. And and talking about negative comments, what about Greg Jennings and the Aaron Rodgers battle that's been going on? Well, I mean, Rodgers and both both these guys like to talk, especially in the in you know in social media. So it's not it's not too. <laughs> It's not too surprising that Greg Jennings would come out and start blasting Aaron Rodgers as soon as he puts on the purple, which he's done. I mean, you have natural rivals in the Packers and the, and the Vikings. You have, you know, a guy who likes to talk. He was a little bit, you know, bitter about his Packers experience toward the end of last year. Uh, and now, you know, all of a sudden there's a little feud going on. It's, it's not it's not too surprising, but it's kind of fun. It's the kind of, uh, to me, it's the kind of little rivalry and the little tit for tat that you like to see in the NFL. I like to see guys. Uh, sort of go at each other a little bit. Well, well, tell me why, Trey, you don't see Peyton Manning, anybody doing that to Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Why Aaron Rodgers? Because Aaron Rodgers likes to run his mouth. I mean, let's be honest, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, I mean, came out, you know, bet his entire salary that his good buddy Ryan Braun was clean. Uh, he bet, you know, that they would beat the 49ers, he'd wear a 49ers jersey. I and mean, this guy runs his mouth. So I mean that's why I mean you run you go out and run your mouth you talk smack I mean people are gonna come back at you when you when you don't back it up and Aaron Rodgers I mean, he's backed it up before he has a Super Bowl ring but he also has not backed it up and last year was an indication of that the Packers season went sort of in the toilet bowl. Yeah, I think I think when you look at Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, they'll get in your grill on the field in your face on the sidelines they'll take care of business. And people respect them as the leader of the team. Well, Aaron Rodgers, have you ever noticed his demeanor on the field, his facial expressions? He's passive-aggressive. 
and he comes out there and he's rolling his eyes at people. There's nothing that makes me would want to choke a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers more than rolling the eyes, being passive-aggressive. I think until he becomes a leader on that team, really, and starts showing respect to his teammates and treating them like actually men, I think he's going to have a problem there in Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is – I mean, obviously, I think uh, you just saw one of the guys on ESPN put him as the best quarterback in the NFL. So, you have a guy who's really talented um, but also likes to attract a lot of negative attention. And the problem with that, Tarvin, is, is when you start getting up in years and when, um, you know, maybe you force more turnovers or maybe you know, your, your talent level isn't quite what it used to be where veterans – can have the team rally around him. You kind of wonder if Aaron Rodgers is not is not going to have that. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, though. You know, I wish I could make a bet for his salary one time like that. I, I would try. You're you're a lawyer, Trey. I would try to get you to represent me to get some of that cash that he bet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. In terms of speaking of people who opened their mouths, I don't know if you <laughs> saw uh, Jonathan Papelbon. Uh, yeah, I know we're, we're in baseball, jumping to baseball, but you made me think about this. He came out today, I think it was, and said that. Uh, let me read you his quote. And they asked him if uh, you know if you know, if he came to the Phillies for this kind of frustration. They said, "No, I would like to stay here, but if I'm going to have to put up with this year after year, then no, I don't want to be here. Why would you? Why would anybody?" Uh, so let me ask you this: One, Papelbon is a guy who's talked about the All Star team. He's running his mouth all the time about everything. He's a closer. He's not even having that great of a year. Now he's blasting his teammates for the poor season. What do you think about that? I think he'll get killed if he doesn't leave. I think he's very insecure. I mean, he's talking about Puig not making the all-star team. He said it would be a joke, a travesty, all of that. Now he's saying this about his own team. If you're a true teammate, you keep it inside. You don't go out to the media and say stuff about your team. If you want to say something bad, say it in the locker room with the coaches, the managers, whoever's in there, but don't go outside. I think he's lost a lot of respect and he will not be back. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, Tarvin, um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I pop them on, but, Tarvin, I want to jump sort of, uh, if you don't mind, Hold I on. a little rant. Hold on, Trey. Hold on, Trey. I'm going to bring Tino on real quick. He's been on hold. And then, and, and then we're going to go to your rant. So, Tino, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? How y'all guys doing? What's I'm up, doing Tino? good. Well, welcome to the show, man. What's on your mind? I know much, man. I miss y'all guys, man. Sorry I haven't been away so long, man. My job's kind of helped me up and had some family issues going on as well, man. But uh, sorry I missed the show, but uh, I'm back on all the time. Hopefully now that I'll be able to catch pretty much every show. There we I'm go. Good. I hope everything. I hope everything's going okay in your family and everything, and and with your job. So, so, so share with us tonight. I'm, I'm getting some background noise. You know. Well, before we go into the background, or what you're what you're enticing you want to know from me, uh, Trey, you picked Arkansas earlier. Wait, what do you mean by pick them? Yeah, I picked the, I picked to break their schedule down. So when Arkansas and Auburn meet up, who you got, Trey? I I picked Arkansas to win by a field goal. To buy a field goal, Trey. And, and Trey, can I ask you, did you pick that based on your personal beliefs or you just picked it just because you want arguments on the show tonight? Because, I mean, logically that's not a good pick. And I'm just trying to figure out why you went that route. Well, I mean, what do you mean by logically, you know? Because logically you told me last year that, you know, that Arkansas was going to lose to Auburn and they didn't. And you told me Auburn was going to 
you know, finish more than three and nine. So I, I'm going off a lot of different factors, you know. Trey, you got a, you got a point there, uh, and, and I'm never at a loss for words. And I don't usually lose arguments, but there's no argument there. Um, last year was a disappointing season, to say the least. And um, I apologize to anybody and everybody that I was involved with, you know, that followed my picks and what I usually – you know, I'm usually pretty good with them. But I'm going to stay with my heart and stay true to what I believe in, and that's I'm betting on Auburn. But this year and last year are two totally different things. It was a lot of issues other than football that was hurting our program last year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying that Auburn's going to have a 3-9 season, but, you know, when you're looking at Gus Malzahn, a new system, you get a quarterback, or do you have a quarterback, I should say. You know, I know that a lot of people at Auburn are very excited about a certain guy, but he hasn't been named the starting quarterback yet, as far as I know. There's still yeah. some issues with Auburn has to sort of settle out, uh, and they may have them settle by then. You know, they may, they may, they may do that. But I just think uh, traveling on the road – and the SEC West is still pretty hard. Yeah, and I agree with you. But but see, you said one phrase that that, that, that kind of caught me off guard. That, that what you just said uh, really really appealed to our team last year, and that was the comment that new offense Gus Miles our new offensive coordinator. Last year we changed too much at one time, and me and Tarvin had a conversation about you know you know we got a new defense, new offense. We both were optimistic, but when you change the complete scheme that your whole team is based upon and change everything that, that they believed in, your whole system all together, and go with a new system, that's what happened last year. That's what caught us off guard. So now this year we're going back to a system that our guys are accustomed to. Just because we have a new coordinator doesn't mean we have a new offense. Our offense is going to fit right back in to where they're comfortable. Why all these kids got recruited was to play in Malazan's offense. Whether Rhett Lachey runs it or Gus, whoever's running it's the same offense that they were recruited for. So going forward, those guys are going to feel more comfortable than they did in a pro, well, what was considered a pro style last year, which wasn't a pro, it wasn't really much of anything, to say the least, you know what I mean? But this year is a whole new, they're going back to what they're used to and what these kids were recruited for and to play in. Well, Trey, I just wanted to say something about our quarterback. And a lot of people, you know, talk about our quarterback position like 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 we don't have one. And the thing is, you got to remember, Kyle Frazier, All-American quarterback out of high school, played one year with Malzahn, and and he was used as a role player as he was picking up everything, learning the speed. And then last year, his whole entire world flipped with Scott Leffler as the offensive coordinator. You didn't have the receivers to go to, some injuries. Nobody would be successful as a quarterback last year. But this year, I think Nick Marshall and Kyle Frazier are your top two quarterbacks. I think either one could win this this battle. I mean, Kyle Frazier, this is his offense. He's been here three years now. Uh, He's put on a lot of weight, muscle in the offseason. He's matured more. He's learned the playbook. He knows Gus Malzahn, Tino, uh, man, that offense better than anyone. So I'm looking for a big thing. And I, and I agree with you. The offense is set up for the quarterbacks that know the system. And Nick Marshall don't really know the system, but he, he's intelligent. He's been in college football for a minute. He has experience. Kyle Frazier, like I say, it's really set up. The format is set up for him. Whether he takes grass of it or not, that's totally up to him. But the running backs, you know, that's something that we're not mentioning is the running backs, that they were they were picked for this system. And, and that right there is something within itself that, you know, it's going to fit back into what they were wanting and what they're used to. This offensive line w- w- was recruited for this system, you know, and they, our, our offensive line, what people don't really understand, they're undersized. 
And last year, when you start running a pro style, our quarterback was on his back more than anything. And the reason why our offensive line is undersized, and the reason why they're undersized is for that up tempo. You can't have a big 320 pounder up and down, up and down the field all day, every day. We got smaller guys that are that that are up pace, get up the field, let's go, let's go, let's go. And when we slowed that down last year, we didn't have the people to 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 run the offense that they wanted to run, Trey. And I, I think this year that, that, that you're really going to see and, and and see that we're back to what we're used to. And I'm I was 100 percent wrong last year. I really thought that we could do this, but I didn't look at all the intangibles, how small our offensive line was, and this and that. I went based upon my heart instead of based upon statistics. And this year I put statistics first because numbers don't lie. People do. And going forward, I really think that, that I'm not saying Auburn's going to go to the BSC, BCS championship this year or nothing like that, but I can guarantee you that we will be relevant this year throughout the whole season. Well, Tino, Tino I want to ask you a question since you're down there in Auburn, really. <clears throat> Looking at from last year to this year, uh, it, it just seemed like last year there was no team. You know, even in the off season, nobody was together doing things. What do you see now while you're on campus compared to last year, really? Man, I've seen the guys practice. I've seen them outside of practice. And the, the, the thing that's actually different, man, you know, is the the smiles you're seeing, the the camaraderie, the guys hanging out with each other, doing stuff together. Um, voluntary practices, man. It, it, I mean, voluntary practice for these guys in the off season is, is crucial to your development as a team. And how many people are participating in that? And you got every guy we got participating in it. You know, pretty much that, that, that matters. You know, some guys aren't there, but the majority of the guys, the the main core of guys, the starters, and and you know, uh, a couple guys that that'll be in and out of rotation are there. They're hitting the weight room. They're working out together. They seem like they're they're comfortable now. Last year it was like everybody was out of place. You know, and in college football. Changing the scheme, I you know it does matter, but in the NFL you can change the scheme and keep rolling. That's because those guys, it's a lot different. Those guys have played through a lot of different systems coming up. But when you're recruiting a high school kid to play in one system, it's probably because they've already played in that system, and you want to put them into the same system again so that they'll be efficient. And I don't think we was efficient last year because we was out of place, out of character, and everything. I think going into this season, you can already see. And I'm going to tell you one other thing that's changed. It's a lot stricter now that, you know, that you mess up, you're going to pay for it. And I think that, that right there has got all the guys not really scared, but understanding that, you know, we got to do the right thing. Because not only does Auburn look bad, but we look bad as a, as a person. And, and I think that, that with that being said and, and having a coach that they're familiar with and they know is no tolerance makes a bigger difference on the field. But like I said, the main thing is they're, they're actually together now and you can see that, that they're upbeat. They're not down and out. They're upbeat. Yeah, I'm just I'm just ready to see the different attitude. And you know as well as I do, football is a team sport. And, Tino, in the next few weeks we're going to preview the Auburn Tigers on this show, and we'd like for you to join us, buddy. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Just let, you know, Sonya and everybody else know uh, – Outside the, the the show, man. If anybody, y'all, I lost my I lost my phone a while back. My son broke it. If I ever text you, it ain't because I don't care about you. Text me so I can save y'all's number back in my phone. But um, a lot of people on the show I've been talking to throughout. I haven't talked to y'all in a while, but it's almost football season, guys. I'm really excited about it. 
Trey, I, I missed you, man. I can't wait for some more of our, our, our intelligent arguments going forward <laughs> about football. And uh, and you picking so many different teams to win. Those are the things that I miss about this show. You know, you change up teams like every other week. But uh, I got one question for y'all. I got one okay. question for y'all. This is a big game outside of Auburn. What do y'all think, Clemson and Georgia, who, who do y'all think pulls that one out? Well, I like the Clemson Tigers in this game. I, I think being at home, Taj Boyd is the real deal. I think Georgia lost a lot on defense. I, I like Clemson. Trey? Yeah, we both pick Clemson, you know, and our, pre, our sort of our Clemson and Georgia breakouts uh, uh, for their schedules. We both like Clemson to beat Georgia in the first game of the season. Yeah, and one other thing I had to say, y'all talking about Ohio State earlier. Honestly, man, I see Ohio State probably running the tables. If not, they're a one-loss team, unless unless Miller gets hurt, just because they brought back so much. I don't, and that, their 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 strength of schedule is like a D minus compared to what some of the other teams face this year. Um, I really think that they stand a strong chance of going far this year, only because of everything they bring back. But other than that, man, uh, guys, I appreciate y'all having me on. I look forward to calling y'all in Wednesday and then coming in Sunday, man. All right, we're looking forward to it. Thanks, Tino. Trey, Tino is back. Glad to have him back on the show. He adds a lot of flavor to it. And, Tino, tell everybody in Auburn I said hello, and we'll be seeing you soon next weekend in Auburn. Trey, I want to hear your rant before we go real quick. Yeah, you know, I asked you, you know, I said, hey, you know, for, for a change, Carmen, I actually have something that's bothering me on sports. I wanted to tell you guys and see what you thought. So, you know, with all this biogenesis stuff going on and we have, you know, these future MLB suspensions, something sort of weird happened with this story. And if you haven't caught up with it, here it is. So the guy the guy who broke the story, the guy who kept all the text and everything, his name is Fisher. And he is now saying that not only are there MLB athletes involved, but there's tennis players, MMA fighters, boxers, uh, some NBA players, and some NCAA athletes. Now, Tarvin, here's the question, you know, and uh, I'll, ask you, I'll, I'll ask you a couple questions. One is, what do you, who do you think are involved, especially, and I could care less about tennis, but who do you think are involved from the NBA and from the NCAA? And the other part of the story that drives me crazy was, as Fisher said, that kids between the ages of 16 and 18 would come in to biogenesis to get their their steroid injections to play high school sports, including football, and that's the problem when you, when you look past this and you think, oh, it's only baseball. It's more of a culture thing, Tarvin, and I think it's really sad that we have a culture that takes these kids in high school and, and tells them it's okay to inject steroids and human growth hormone because the big guys in the NFL and the NBA and MLB are doing it, mm-hmm. and it's sickening, Tarvin. It really is sickening. Well, I want to start with that. I mean, if you would take your child in to get human growth hormone or steroids to benefit them to play football, then you don't love your kids because you don't realize the damage you're doing. I mean, it's different when you take HGH when you're 35 compared to when your body is still growing. It can do a lot of damage. And obviously, Trey, you you have a kid. I know you wouldn't ever let anything bad happen to give it drugs or anything, but to me it's showing how greedy – these guys are to put your kid in that situation. I mean, he's going to have damage, but you're thinking right now the million dollars you're going to be making, getting him to football, getting him above the competition, that really irritates me uh, that you brought that up. 
that, that parents would do that. I think they should go to jail for that. I mean, there shouldn't even yeah. be a chance for you to get parole. But as far as the NBA players using it, I mean, LeBron James looks like he he would be, but I don't think he would do it. I mean, the guy looks like a, a diesel truck. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of players, Trey, in the NBA that use it. We just don't know. I mean, those guys are – there's some big guys in there, and, and you don't necessarily have to be big to use them, but – I look at the NFLs where I see it happening a lot. MMA, yeah. I mean, of course you would use that just to get a rush for a few minutes just to to fight. So I think it's everywhere, Trey. I don't think there's nothing you can do to get it out of sports unless you just start penalizing people, ending their careers. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I sort of, uh, I sort of thinking the, about the NBA, and then I'll, I don't, I don't want to let you off, Tarvin. I want to ask you which programs you think might be involved in the biogenesis when it comes to <laughs> NCAA football. Um, but I'll tell you, I went through the NBA tarp and I started thinking about it, and I thought, you know, it's hard to say what player might be on steroids or a human growth hormone, but I'm going to throw a name at you, Tarvin, and you tell me if I'm off base. Because uh, I'm going off what Fisher said. He said there were no big stars. So we're going to go ahead and take out all the big stars from the NBA. No big stars, right? Here's the name. Okay. Nate Robinson. Hmm. So I mean, no rumors linked to him, but think about it. The dude's real short. He's he's built like a brick house. He all of a sudden has been on the bench, and he has this huge year. I mean, maybe. I mean, this is the kind of guy that this is a, the Brady Anderson of the NBA, right? It's, I mean, that, that's a good point. I mean, he wants to get his name known. He wants to step up and lead his team to victory. What well, I mean, I could see that. But anyway, that's just my my rampant speculation. But Tarvin, I mean, if you think some NCAA athletes come into this report and some programs get named, who do you think it might be? Man, you're you're going to put me on the spot here. You're, you're really going to get me some hate mail tonight. Uh, I won't mention any programs, you know, by name right now. I don't want to do that, but I don't know. I have my thoughts. You know who I'm thinking about and stuff, but I won't say anything tonight. Let me think about it. Well, Jonathan in the chat room, and he's a Florida State guy, so he says Florida State, uh, Florida, Miami, Alabama, UGA, and LSU are all on his radar, um, and he says Auburn too. <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, I think I think he's right. I think you're gonna. I think if it comes out, it's gonna be big programs. I mean, I don't know which ones either. Tarvin, uh, it's in Florida, so I mean, if you're if you're one of the Florida schools, you gotta think that you know it's gonna be geographic maybe for the NCAA players. Um, but who knows, Tarvin? I mean, the thing is, is that if those of you who are sitting out there, and, and we talked to, I talked to somebody on Facebook about this um, this week, um, and they said, well, you know, it's limited to baseball, so who cares as long, long as it doesn't affect my football? Well, I think it will affect football, Tarvin. I think, I think the next scandal is going to hit the NCAA. I think it's going to be big because, I mean, I heard uh, Rich Rodriguez in an interview talking about this. Uh, he's the head coach at Arizona, for those who don't know. And he said that when he got to Arizona, uh, and they implemented sort of a, a no, uh, no kidding, no tolerance policy on steroids and, and HGH, and they started testing all their players. And this is where the the suspensions that say you know violating a team policy comes in, and you never really find out what it might be. But he said they had guys testing positive all the time, and you know they kept telling you know coming down and cracking down on these kids. And he said, hey, it's really hard as a head coach to come in. Uh, and say, you know, no tolerance for certain substances of the NCA, you know, the NCA tests for anabolic steroids, but, you know, the NCA doesn't care about some of this other stuff just yet. 
Uh, they said it was really hard to come down on a program and have that kind of policy, especially when other programs might not. So I think this is the, ne- the next big scandal that may hit the NCA. What do you think? I mean, have you ever seen LSU's and Alabama's defensive players, the linebackers? I mean, they all look like they were superheroes almost carved out. I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we already have proof that that Alabama was buying deer antler in the season ago or whatever. That's proof, actually. I don't know if anything's come out of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if if, if a lot of people are doing it. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to get some tougher tests to come on. But, Trey, anything you want to touch on before we head out tonight? No, I just want everybody thinking about that. You know, certainly if you have a rant, let me know. Uh, one of the things that, um, you know, in sports is oftentimes these stories hit, you know, and we don't always have time to cover them. So I wanted to sort of double back on that story, get folks thinking that, uh, you know, this stuff's not okay. And, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully we test, you know, better for this in, in the coming, you know, months and years from all sports. All right, cool. Well, we'll be back on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to break down some teams. Let's think about that. We'll announce it Tuesday what teams we're going to do. And uh, until then, Trey, thanks a lot. I'll do the rant on Wednesday. You do it on Sunday. How does that sound? Let's do it, man. All right, we're going to start doing that. Add it to the show. Good idea. But we'll see you Wednesday night. Tino, thanks for calling in. Uh, We appreciate it, and we'll see you soon.